Who's ready? Our Tim's ready. Tim's a man. Rifle's ready. He's already there. He's, not, he's more than ready. He's there. Jesus. So let's pray together as we uh, stand together and worship. <clears throat> There's plenty of room in the front. So I invite you to just join in with us. We're going to go high, go deep, go wide, go long. Hey, Jesus. So I invite you right now just to focus your heart in. Focus your attention to the Lord. Focus all of your heart, get your heart in place of like, why am I here? You can ask yourself, why am I really here? Why did I come this morning? You can ask yourself, with your imagination, what do you picture? Why are you even here? What do you expect? What do you expect this morning? What's your expectation? Where is your expectation this morning? God is the God that's outside and above and beyond your imagination. Exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever hope for. That's who he is. So I want you to set your hopes on high. Your expectations really, really high. Because he's even higher. He's a God that's not limited by the ups and downs of life. He's exceedingly great, exceedingly higher, and above all, we just thank you, Jesus, for what you have. We just thank you, Jesus, for what you have this morning. We quiet our souls, we fix our eyes, we stir up our spirits, we lay hold of the great one. Let you lay hold of us. That we would come, we would become even more aware of what you're doing. We see with the spiritual eyes, hear with our ears, know what you're doing, what you're saying this morning. We want to worship you, Father, in spirit and in truth. So we give you our hearts this morning, Father. We don't just give you our routine. Not just going through the motions, doing our religious duty. We just throw that, we check that at the door, we say we're not going to have it. We're here to worship you, Father. We love you, Papa. We love you, Papa. We're here to meet with you. We're here to hear your voice. We're here to love on you back. We're here to celebrate what you've done. We're going to celebrate what you're doing, who you are, and what you've done, what you're going to do. So, Papa, we just set our hearts on you. You're the one that we want. You're the one that we long for. It's all about you, God. You're the one that we want. the one that we came here for, Jesus. For you. Oh, the one we want to be. 
Jesus shine through all the praises that we see for you, Jesus for the one.
like a presence There's nothing like a presence All that you are Is all that we want There's nothing like a presence There's nothing like a presence All that you are Is all that we want There's nothing like a presence It's all that we want. It's nothing like your presence. It's nothing like your presence. All that you want is all that we want. Here we are. Here we
heart so far Come with your words Come with your kindness Come with your tenderness Life's up and drown
Praise God. What a powerful prophetic word that Elizabeth was singing here, that your love chases away the orphan. So powerful. Some of us just need to receive that this morning. There's something about his presence. There's something about being in a place of praise and worship that it answers all those questions of do I belong? Am I loved? Am I valued? Am I important? All those questions that come out of a, a heart that is an orphan heart. Because an orphan doesn't know if they belong. They don't know who they belong to. And sometimes we carry that into our relationship with the Lord. But I want to just tell you this morning that there is something so deep the Lord is doing in our times of worship as we get together. I believe He's answering all the questions you have in your heart about who you are and how you relate to him and do you belong and are you welcomed and are you loved and all of those things so we're singing a song that's saying that that uh, I get lost in your love that's an amazing thing you know, we're with the person that we love so very much time flies by doesn't it you know, I know when Cindy and I, we first met 37 years ago, we would be together and we would, I mean, we, we would look at the clock and it would be like, oh, it's 4 a.m. We've been talking for like a zillion hours. And it, it, but it, it was okay. It didn't matter because we were just lost because of the love that we had for one another. And that's why God wants us, as we come together here on Sunday mornings or any time, there's something that we step into a place to say, God, this just is my place with you. I just want to get lost in your love, just lost in your love. There's a, uh, as we were singing this, if I can open up my phone here. Hallelujah. I don't know, just a real, very short, but, I believe a very powerful verse in 
the book of Ephesians chapter 1. It says, So that we who first hoped in Christ, who first put our confidence in Him, have been destined, listen, have been destined and appointed to, to live for the praise of His glory. I just love that. We'll read it again. You need to hear it again. So that we who first hoped in Christ, us, who first put our confidence in Him, that's us, that we've been destined and appointed to by the Father to live for the praise of His glory. Let me ask you a question, a very important question. What are you living for? What are you living for? Scripture says that when we live for the praise of His glory, wow, it's an amazing thing, powerful thing. It goes on and talks about later, talking about that God will give you the revelation of the riches that you have in the inheritance that you have in Him. But when we live for the praise of His glory, that's all it's about, living for the praise of His glory. We know that praise is more than just coming here with, with a with a band and and a worship team and praise is how we live life it's how we live life when we encounter people every day there's something that comes out of our life to say listen there's someone greater someone bigger someone more influential someone more powerful and that's who i live for i live for his glory that his glory would fill the earth he says that his glory will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea his glory will fill the earth. And as we live for the praise of His glory, I tell you, we're just extending the glory of God to those that have never met Him, to those that don't know Him, that have questions. Am I really loved? What is the purpose of life? What am I really living for? And when we just go for it, and that's all what, we, what we're about is living for the praise of His glory. I tell you, it's going to affect the lives of people around us. Amen. Let me just pray something over us right now. Father, I pray right now, Lord God, that, Father, we would take a step deeper, a step further, a step closer, God, to you. Lord, we would not allow anything to keep us away from you. We would not allow any lie, any accusation of the enemy. God, any of our failures or our stumblings or our sin to keep us away from you. Father, we thank you, Lord God. It's all settled in the cross. It was all taken care of in the cross. Your blood covers it all. Father, it doesn't mean that we don't need to repent, God, but we just repent as we draw closer to you. We have a change of our mind, a change of our heart, that we're going to walk in a different way. So, Father, I pray, Lord God, that we're going to walk in a way we're taking a step today. We're going to walk in a way, in a, in a, in a way for, and we're going to live for the praise of your glory. I want to tell you, if that's just a desire of your heart, just lift your hands before the Lord right now, just as a, just as a visible sign, a visible thing that you're doing this morning. I say, that's me. God, I want to live for the praise of your glory. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let it be, Lord, let it be. God, thank you, Father, for your wonderful presence. God, thank you that, God, that we carry your presence with us wherever we go. So, Father, we can, we can live in that place of praise wherever we go. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, I'll tell you, before you sit down, just turn around and hug somebody this morning. Glory to God. Let's find us a seat this morning. Okay. Thank you so much for welcoming one another, just making them feel that they are loved and welcomed here in this house today. Okay, let's go ahead and find us our seat. We want to we want to welcome our guests this morning. We are so glad that you're here, that you are possibly with us for the very first time. Uh, if that's you, uh, if you are here for the very first time at Harvest, we want to know who you are. We have a gift for you, uh, and just if you'll put your hand up and just for just a moment here, there we go. Be bold, honey. Be bold. There you go. Okay, keep your hands up if you would. We've got a gift for you. Uh, in the bag, you'll find a number of things. But uh, anybody else, first time that we, okay, we don't want to leave you out. Okay, you'll find a fresh loaf of bread. I believe it's from Panera Bread. And uh, they, uh, they, they are blessing us and help us out with our bread. And uh, also, you'll find a white card inside this bag. And uh, we, what we're asking you to do, if you would, for over the next couple of moments here, if you'll just take that card and just put your name on it, fill it out. We want to know that you're with us today. And if you have any questions, prayer requests, anything like that, you can put that on the back. And uh, uh, any questions about the church or you would like a, to, someone to contact you, um, we would be glad to do that, okay? But so glad that you're here with us today. Uh, when we receive our offering in just a few minutes, you just put that card in the offering that you're offering this morning, and uh, we thank you so much. Praise God. All right. Well, it's summer. I can tell. You know, people are already, man, they're, they're on vacation already. Uh, we're a little bit thinner here this morning than what we were last Sunday, but that happens as we enter into summer. Right, Greg? That's right. So, um, but uh, it's got a great, we're going to have a great service here today. Pastor Rifle is going to be sharing, ministering today. Praise God. And Pastor Jason, come on up here with me, my friend. We want to share something with you, really excited about. Um, I guess back in 1997, I always get mixed up with 96 or 97, but I think it was 97 when I took a team of college students into South Africa, met Nicole for the very first time. All right. Woo -woo. Met Pastor Bill Bennett for the very first time. And one of the things that they had active in their church that so 
impressed me and something that Nicole was involved in, and it was called A Year of Your Life. And it was basically that young men and women, or could have been older men and women, uh, that, would want it, that wanted to give a year uh, of internship ministry back into the church to be used. Uh, some that maybe just want to take a year, give it, and just designate it for the Lord and just serve in whatever possible way. Some were people that were trying to figure out, I feel like I'm called to full-time ministry, but I want to, I want to see that. And it was a great program to, uh, to be able to help to determine that. Uh, ever since I saw that, that's something that I was so impressed by because it released so many young men and women into the harvest, so many young men and women into full-time ministry. And it was just great. And it's always been in my heart ever since we started the church here to begin an internship program, something like that. And uh, I guess about a year or so ago, Jason and I were talking, and he was expressing a very similar thing in his heart of an internship-type program that we could begin to develop in the church here. Got began to get excited about it. We've been talking about it for a year, planning it, and we're getting ready to kick, kick it off here. Uh, in July. And I'm going to let Jason share a little bit more about that. Awesome. So, yeah, we're talking about internship. So, uh, you know, one of the values and the core missions, one of them, of our church is to raise up leaders. And so we do that many different ways, school ministry, Sunday school, give opportunities for life groups, all that kind of stuff. So we're kind of adding to that branch of raising up leaders is, is starting a uh, harvest renewal ministry internships. So this is like a, kind of like a year of your life, what Pastor Doug's talking about. People who want to give a year, just lay down everything else, like a job, school, university, and I just want to throw themselves into like a year, you know, it could be 14 months or around a year or whatever else, to just focus in on what is this ministry like? I feel like people that feel like I have a calling on myself to be a leader in a church full time one day, but... How do I get there? Do I just go to seminary? Do I just do all these different things? Well, this kind of this internship gives people a good, awesome taste of what happens in everyday church life. What goes on from ups and downs to staff meetings, communications, planning, playing a lot of golf. Pastor Doug, you know, you understand? <laughs> I don't know how to play golf, so I must be missing out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we are starting. We've been talking about this. We've been planning it. We've been working on this. And so, like, we are starting a Harvest Renewal ministry internships. And so there will be general things that interns, you'll start to see interns start joining our church, and we will announce them and say, who are they, what they do. But, like, interns, well, they'll have general things that they will do, like school of ministry, be part of that, become a staff, meetings. But we, for the individual, we will tailor make this intern program for the individual, for their specific callings. To help give them a taste more and more and more into what they feel like they're called to, right? So we'll give them, a, hey, oh, here we go. We'll walk with you. We will mentor you. We will do it together. We will show you how to way to throw yourself into this for a year. We may not be able to salary you, but we will help you in, in, in leadership, mentoring, all that kind of stuff. So interns will come and raise their own support. Say, hey, I want to do this for a year. I want to plan, you know, the first month or so to raise support from people to partner with them to sow into leaders so that they can for a year designate themselves to jump into everyday life and ministry, the minutia, that good old word, a minutia of ministry. So 
we are starting. We have our first intern. Going to be starting July 1st. And uh, that would be Liz Brewster. Yeah, yeah. So this is the plan right now. So the month of June, Elizabeth Brewster is going uh, to be raising, getting partners, asking for people to sew into her as she can designate actually 14 months of her life starting July 1st to do an internship with Harvest Middle Church. She, she already does a lot of stuff right now, but she's going to be doing even more so. More. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. No, like doing youth group, more stuff in youth, more in worship team, getting more involvement in all the worship team sound stuff. And she already leads like the women's ministry, help organize that more. Getting in on staff meetings, helping us with, you know, plannings, communications, all the more and minutia of church, right? The minutia. We love that word. So here's Liz. So for the next um, week or so, uh, we she's going to be in contact with a lot of you that is interested in partnering with her to sow into her life so that she can do this. This is like Liz is an example of future leaders, future leaders of the church at large, whether she stays here for the rest of her life or she goes somewhere else, whatever. We're giving her, you know, the opportunity to really grow in ministry here intentionally for a year to devote herself. So she's asking for partners to financially partner with her so she can give herself to this for 14 months starting July 1st. So, we have right here a clipboard of who, we're going to pass this around. What are clipboards? Yeah. So, we're going to pass this around. If you're interested in finding out more about what Liz is going to be doing, internship, for her to contact you, whether it's in email form or a phone number, please just write your name down. This doesn't mean that you are doing something. This means that you're interested for her to contact you to get emails, conversations, so that you can have opportunity to sow into her life. So, we're going to pass these around. And two weeks from now, two weeks from now on July 28th, uh, we're going to actually take up June, sorry, June 28th. We are going to be praying for her to release her into this internship program and taking up a special offering to launch her into this. That her goal would be by the end of the month that she has all of her financials taken care of so she can jump right in July 1st and not have to, I mean, she'll stay in contact or she'll do all, all this stuff, but like, to jump into it without worrying about it. So yeah, we were going to announce that this morning. Here we are, so you know what's going on, and we're super excited about this. Interns rising in our midst to do a lot of fun things in the church between different things. So Elizabeth Brewster is starting. Awesome. So now the youth class, we're going to go to a youth class now, just so you know the youth are wondering. So. We're going <clears> to... <throat> And the, when we take up this offering, Liz is going to be sharing a little bit of her heart and what she's going to be doing. So you'll get a lot better idea from that also. But, yeah, if you're interested in just uh, knowing more about it, interested in knowing how you can support her, please put your name, uh, email, phone number down so she can contact you. And we greatly, greatly appreciate it. We're very excited about the whole program and uh, believe that she's our first little guinea pig here. As we get started, and uh, we'll make all the mistakes on her, and uh, but she can handle it. But I believe this is going to be a doorway for so many people to be able to serve. And so we're excited. Amen. All right, praise God. 
Just one quick announcement. Can you believe that? One quick announcement. Okay. Next Sunday, we are beginning a, a, our summer Sunday school program, and we are featuring a, um, a series that is by Bill Johnson on the supernatural power of the transformed mind. And I just want to tell you, we've been doing it in one of the life groups this past spring, and it is just phenomenal. It is amazing. It is eight. It will be eight Sundays mornings at 9 o'clock, uh, and, uh, we'll, and it's a, like a 20-minute teaching by Bill. And then we talk about it and pray, and it's just a great time. Uh, I tell you, it's just uh, Cindy and I, we're on the second time of going through it again because it's just so powerful. And so we want to encourage you, uh, starting next Sunday at 9 o'clock over at the office building right on Schaefer Street here, uh, we would love for you to come and be a part of this uh, Sunday school. I, your life will be changed. There is no doubt about it. I know Manuel and Jackie, y'all have been a part of that study. It's been phenomenal, hasn't it? It's been really good. His thumb is up. You couldn't see him, okay? All right, all right. Praise God. Okay, Rifle, uh, we want to raise our, not raise, but take up our offerings this morning. Raise our offerings. <laughs> Hmm. Raise. Hallelujah. All right. Y'all ready to give this morning? Honor the Lord with your tithes and offerings. Well, I am. Praise God. I am so blessed. I tell you, um, God has been so faithful for Cindy and I and over the years and been in ministry and, and during those years uh, as a youth pastor where, <laughs> you know, you... The youth pastors, it's funny, they always get like the the uh, the broom and mop closet for their office, um, get very little money. But God has been always so faithful. And But one thing, from the moment that we, we, we were married, we said uh, <clears throat> we will never miss an opportunity to give, ever. We will never miss when there's, there's an opportunity to give. We are going to always give in our tithes and our offerings. And God has always taken care of us, and he's blessed us in a phenomenal way. So, Father, we thank you today, God, as we give today. God, we honor you. We honor your word. We honor the promises that you give us, Father. God, we trust in you. And, Lord, we love. We love to give, Father. It's part of your nature, and it's part of ours because you live on the inside of us. Father, it's not a difficult thing for us to give. God, and to give abundantly, because that is your heart. You have demonstrated it in so many ways over and through our lives. And so, Father, we thank you today that as we take this offering, we thank you, Father, that we give it unto you, that you would utilize it and use it for the kingdom, that, Father, that, that uh, people may be reached and discipled and ministered to in great and effective ways. And so we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Pascal. All right, Rifle. Wanna, I'm going to give the Rifle just as much time as we can this morning. And I love this man. And I tell you, I love the teaching gift that's within him. And uh, it's great to uh, be able to share the pulpit with him. So we're both going to stand up here today, and I'm going to. I'm just going to amen everything and say, good word.
Thank you, Pastor Doug. Good morning, everybody. I'm so sorry Jason left now because I want to find out minutia, what that means. I heard Dr. Bull use it, the minutia of ministry. The singing group, okay, well, the minutia. So if I can find out, I can sound a little smarter as well, but Jason's gone, so just bear with me. Pastor Doug, would you please come up here and share the pulpit with me for a while, please? I, I would just, on behalf of, of everyone here, it's not planned or anything, but just really, really like to say thank you so much for the vision that you had for Be Mosaic, for putting all of that together, getting all the people. We just want to thank you and honor you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, when Pastor Doug could tear himself away from the golf course. <laughs> For those watching, he doesn't play golf. It's just a joke. But every phone call that had to be made, every person that would stay in a hotel or get a host home, everyone that would speak, every person that would come and visit, it, all of that, it took so much to put that together. So we just want to thank you so much. Something, something definitely changed in the spiritual atmosphere around here. And we just want to, yeah. I would, anyone who was involved in help, would you please just stand up as well? Yeah, anyone, yeah. if you did worship, you helped out with worship, you served coffee, you took in money, whatever, anyone that helped, please just stand up. Let's give them a hand, please. Thank you so much. That, that was truly what an amazing time we had with God. If you were not here, you were busy or you missed it, it is on the computer. You can go, it's downloaded. So you can go and you can get all the, all the services there. So um, it was phenomenal. I, I, I definitely do know, and it's not just for me, but something in our house has changed. Can you come and explain quickly, Manuel, please? For those who don't know, Manuel, our new computer genius goodness me and if you're looking for the uh, conference uh, we have the worship sessions and the sessions themselves separately and they're both on if you go to Ustream you could download the app to your phone if you have a smartphone go to Ustream and just look for Harvest Renewal Church and you'll be able to find all of the past services and you'll be able to enjoy them also so that's amazing and yeah and make sure that you follow it also on, on, on there. You can sign in with your Facebook login, follow it, go ahead and start looking at it. And you could even worship where you're at home. All the worship sessions are there. So enjoy. God bless. Okay, we are continuing with the resurrected life. Today, I, I definitely do want to get to talking about the cleansing in the temple. I'm going to try to get there. We will get there. <laughs> Who or what are you dependent on in this resurrected life? Who or what are you dependent on all the time? Are there times that you step out of his dependence and become dependent on yourself? The world's wisdom, your wisdom, I can do this, I got this. How dependent and who dependent are you all the time 
on the Holy Spirit leading and guiding. And um, a very dangerous thing for me is this morning going through this, and God spoke to me again and just changed a little bit of this again. It happens so often, I should know better than that by now. But I know that he wants to share this one point, and it's again got to do with me, but here we go again. So Romans 8 verse 14, please, if we can have that on the screen there. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For as many. In other words, that for their, you have a choice in this. I have a choice in this. How much do I want the leading of Holy Spirit in my life? And then when I follow his lead, now I become a son. And even the songs today, the orphan spirit go away, orphan in my heart. Even though you're a child of God, there's a difference between a child and a son, if you get what I'm saying. The, the son is truly the one who is led, has that intimacy all the time. Where a child is just, he's in the house. I'm born in here, I live here, this is my home. But I can be a son and have an intimate relationship with Abba, with my daddy. And those of us who choose to be led all the time by Holy Spirit, we are the sons. We don't just live here. We sit on Abba's lap here. We don't just come here and sleep. We actually talk at the dinner table. We don't just come here and wash and take a shower and throw our dirty clothes in the laundry. We come here to get cleaned. That's the difference between a son and a child or a daughter and a child. So those who choose to be led, these are the sons of God. So God was starting to talk to me about this past week. Um, I had the opportunity to go into the federal prison. Rama Interventions of Harvest Renewal Church was in the federal prison this week. It's very different than state prison, and um, praise God, I was there. And they let me out again. <laughs> I just have to tell you this. Someone was telling me this morning a funny story about that very exact same prison. And uh, the security there is pretty, pretty, pretty high. <laughs> so when you go in, you've handed in everything, handed in everything. They give you a, an invisible stamp on your hand like a luminous stamp, and you've you got those special lights that you see. So somebody went in there to visit a nephew. And when he was sitting and talking to the nephew and eating, he washed his hands, and he by accident wiped that stamp off. So when it was time to go, you got to put your hand under, and they check for the stamp, and his stamp wasn't there. So the security said, you've got to stay here for 24 hours. And he was, no, I promise you, I did have a stamp. I did have a stamp. <laughs> This lady was so serious, and I've got to go, please, call someone. I did have a stamp. She said, just don't wash your stamp off next time, and they let him, he could go. <laughs> In any case, so Holy Spirit is called what? John 16, 13, Jesus says what? When the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of truth has come. So if I take this torch... Let's say they can make a torch now, and, and the battery never goes flat. Okay, so this battery runs forever. It can't go flat. I take this torch wherever I go. I shine the torch, and I can see where I'm going. 
This is the spirit of torch. What does a spirit of torch do? It brings forth light all the time. That's what it does. Spirit of torch can't do anything else because spirit of torch was created to bring forth light. So wherever I go, all the time, spirit of torch brings forth light because that's the definition of spirit of torch. Sorry for shining your eyes. What happens now, however, if I choose to take spirit of torch that's still shining and I decide I'm going to put spirit of torch in my pocket and I'm not going to have light and I'm going to walk around and now I start bumping into certain things. Spirit of torch doesn't like me anymore. Spirit of torch is not there. Did I do something wrong? Did I open? Where's God? No, no, spirit of torch is, is still doing exactly what it was called to do. It's still on leading, guiding. I just chose to put spirit of torch in my pocket. So I chose to put the light away. Okay? So now, if Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, that means he is always leading, always guiding you and I into truth. What would happen if we would put the spirit of truth, quote unquote, in our pockets, hide him for a while, step out of truth, and do something and maybe bump into something now? Can we say, oh, well, the spirit of truth just wasn't there. Spirit of truth doesn't love me. Did I open a door? Am I doing? No, no, no. You just stepped out of the spirit of truth, and now you're walking in something which is not a truth. In other words, you're walking in a lie. All the time, he's leading, guiding and I see too many times Christians walking in something that is not truth, but saying, God told me to do this. God led me here. This is the Lord. And we have certain things that we say. And no, it's completely against. It's the opposite of the spirit of truth, light, love, gentleness, kindness, meekness. It's not that. So it's not him. We just chose to put the spirit of light or truth away for a while and step out of that and walk in darkness. Okay. So Holy Spirit revealed this to me this morning. He said, Rifle, when you go into the prison, this is now me. And he said, if you tell a lie in the prison while you're speaking to these people, if you lie, you can't expect me to fully come as the spirit of truth and do miraculous things in there. I am not saying that sin and the power of darkness is greater than Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that. Holy Spirit was saying to me, if you want me, Rifle, to flow 100% through your life in all power, that comes through 100% pure intimacy with me. You can't live in 80% light, have 20% darkness, Rifle, but expect when you lay your hands on someone or say something, 100% of me to come through you. That's what I'm saying, okay? Example is this. I'm busy speaking. I, I, I do a study method program. I'm talking to the guys. And I say, for example, I really, really used to like fighting. And I fought a lot. And fighting was a, a part of my life. But, but God changed me, and now I go on. Now, in that is, there's a half truth in that. The whole truth would be, I didn't like fighting. I didn't really... But when I would drink and get drunk to a certain point, then I really enjoyed fighting. So it wasn't all the time fighting anywhere I went, fighting every day of my life, fighting. 
So what I'm saying is not the whole truth. And if I want all of his purity and all of his light and power to come out of me, I must speak all truth. So help me God, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, all of it. And Holy Spirit was just revealing to me that sometimes when you just turn that little light off for a while, because I'm talking, I'm busy explaining, and then I don't go back to say, this is really what I'm, I, they get a wrong picture of me. I didn't say the whole truth, and now Holy Spirit is saying, it's very difficult for me to work 100% through you when there's not 100% truth coming through you, the messenger of truth. Does that make sense? Am I getting my point across? So, always tell the truth. You can stop then and say, when I got drunk, or when I was around certain friends, it was easier for me to get into fights and fight and things like that. But So explain yourself so that the whole truth comes out. Don't just keep 50% of the truth. Because I am the spirit of truth. And there's no, no 20% darkness in me. So give all the truth when you speak. Because then you allow me more to work through you. And that's what all of us want is for him to work through us without any hindrance. That's the cry of our heart. So, um, Jesus said himself in John 5, verse 19. Thank you so much. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he sees the Father do, the Son does in like manner. So I want to talk about a couple of things that have infiltrated the church and the kingdom in many, many ways. The church itself has been infested with a lot of stuff from the world, which is very sad. From the way we do things, the way we believe things, even to the way we speak. And world systems and world ways have infiltrated into us and into the church. We constantly hear things that are not true that go against the word, but it's just everyday speech, and we use it, and it's true in the world, but it's not true in here. And every one of the, most of the things that I tell people not to do is what I did. So I'm talking from experience. I know what I'm talking about. I had many years of practice in this. I was really good at this. But we say things, we've all heard this one, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. We've heard that. The Bible doesn't say that. Proverbs 18.21 says that sticks and stones, thing, people say words, and they're not just hurting you, they're killing you because there's life and death in that. So we all grew up with that. You know, you come back from school saying, ah, sticks and stones, and then you just pass it down. That's not the truth. The Bible doesn't say that. Another one, yeah, I wrote down so many. Um, what you don't know won't hurt you. Bible says what you don't know is killing you. <laughs> Hosea 4 verse 6, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. So we can't go walking around saying, oh, what you don't know don't hurt you. But we, we speak this and we say this and the enemy gets a hold of us through things like this. And it's completely opposite to kingdom. What you don't know, the enemy's riding and killing you with stuff that you do not know. And the more you want to say, I don't want the truth, I don't want the light, I want that 20% darkness, he's going to take that 20% darkness and he's going to ride you as hard as he can. 
So this stuff that's in the church, in the vocabulary, in the way we live and see things is just every day, it has to come out. It can't be part of our lives anymore. What you see is what you... Yeah, you see, we all know, I mean, in South Africa you say this, you go, even different countries, languages in Chinese, you can say all of these things the same. They have it all over. The enemy has got everywhere in people's language the way that they speak. Matthew 7 says, do not judge. Because as you judge, so many times we look at someone or we look at them doing something and then we judge them according to that. And the Bible says, do not do that. So don't just look and say, oh, what you see is what you get. That guy's not good for anything. Don't, don't want him in your team. Maybe just didn't sleep last night because there was something that happened at home and he acted badly and that's all that's going on. You can't just look at someone and say, well, look at that. You, I told you so. We need to get this stuff out. Then there's another thing that I want to talk about today. And <laughs> I used to use this all the time. Have you ever heard someone say, righteous indignation? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus got angry. Jesus did it, so why can't I? Righteous indignation. Righteous anger. And most of the time, that behavior is not righteous anger at all. It's me stepping out of the love walk, justifying my flesh. And it could be justifying the flesh for many reasons. I got offended. I got hurt. I have a broken soul. I'm living in fear. You can go on and on, but now I live out of that and now when people look at me, your Holy Spirit starts working, now I can turn around and say, well, Jesus did it. He did righteous anger. The righteous anger of God just came upon me, and I couldn't help but just laying that man down and telling him the truth. No, no, that's not what the Word says. So we're going to go through this part of Scripture because, man, just more and more, because more and more is happening in the world. It's getting darker out there. So there are more places now for you and I to let our righteous anger come out. <laughs> you used to have to really go and look for things to get righteously angry about. But now the government's doing that. The banks are lying this. The TV's showing that. The newspapers say it's just all over. And I can now pick and choose where I want my righteous anger to come out. That's not what the word says about Jesus cleansing the temple. So let's go and look because if we do the same as Jesus, if we are led by the Holy Spirit, if we do only what the Father says, maybe there is a time where you have to do what Jesus did, but let's take a look what Jesus did in cleansing the temple. He didn't just walk in and have a bad day and start throwing people upside down and saying, well, you know, God told me to do this. Matthew chapter 12, we're going to read all four Gospels, have this in Matthew 21 verse 12. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. Mark 11:15. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple. 
and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. Luke 19.45. And he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it. John 2.14-15. And this, is, this, this takes it to another level. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them out all of the temple. With the sheep and the oxen, he poured out the the charger's money and overturned the tables. So that's just now, now you've got a, you know, something in your hand that this righteous anger is helping with. I used to have a friend. We were saved when, when, when this story took place. We were believers. But he would take the book of Proverbs and he would doctor two or three verses a little, put them together, take one part of that scripture, one part of that, one of this, put them together in his own version. And the, the Bible in Proverbs talks about a fool and, you know, someone should be, you know, the rod for a fool of a back. And his favorite verse was, a fool must be beaten. <laughs> that we are saved. I mean, we get this from the Bible. A fool must be beaten. But he was one who practically believed that faith without works is no good. <laughs> so he put action to his words. When he said a fool must be beaten, he didn't just talk because he didn't want to be self-deceived. So he put into action what he was hearing, but that's not God. Okay, carrying on. The synoptic gospels, there are two different kinds of cleansing in the temple that takes place here. Scholars will say there's one in chapter 2 of John that we just read where Jesus made the whip. And then in the synoptic gospels, the other three gospels, it's more to the end of Jesus' life after the triumphant entry. So two different times that Jesus did this. So let's see, remember now, we want to get out of our thinking and we have righteous anger. So let's see what truly happened in these examples over here. At this time of Jesus, people are still under the law. We understand by now that even though Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are New Covenant, New Testament books in our Bible, they still belong to the Old Covenant. Okay? Jesus didn't come at the book of end of Malachi and say, okay, Matthew 1.1, New Testament, now we start. He didn't do that. New covenant means he was raised from the dead. Holy Spirit had been sent. Now we are able to receive the gift of Holy Spirit on the inside of us. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are still part of the old covenant books, okay, following the law. Right. So just some facts about those verses that we've been reading. Judea was under Roman rule, Roman reign. The money, the currency that they were using was the, the what? Caesar's money, drachma. Can you remember when Jesus, they came to catch him and they said to him, uh, is it lawful that we pay taxes? And Jesus says, bring me whose image is on the back of this. Okay. So now what happens is because of the law, the people of God had to come and they had to pay Israeli, God's kind of money, to the temple that they were going to visit. But now because 
the temple was in the area where the Romans were ruling and reigning and their money, money had to be changed. So if you had Roman money, you went to the temple, you couldn't take that in. You had to change that to get money that you could take in to pay to God. Okay, so this is now what's happening in this whole story here with the righteous anger. So we'll read the bit of the laws here. It says that in Exodus 30, 13, each one who is numbered in a census shall give this half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary, half a shekel as an offering to the Lord. So now it just so happened to be that as these people of God would go to the temple and they needed to change money, ta-da, I can help you. You give me that, I'll give you this, but you're going to give me a little little bit extra because of all the hard work that I'm doing and exchanging this money for you. So it became a business. They were robbing the people of God, the common man on the street. They were taken advantage of. So Jesus comes in and he sees this. So he's very angry about this. All they're doing are they are just following the law. And now people are using the law to enrich themselves. And the law of God was never made for man to put another man down to make himself better or stronger or richer. That's not why God gave the law. So Jesus sees this. Another thing that happens is in Leviticus 14.22, it says, Also two turtle doves or two pigeons, whichever he can afford, the one shall be a sin offering and the other a burnt offering. And then we read the same in Luke chapter 2, verse 22 to 24. This is now New Covenant, but look what it says. Now, when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So what's happening now is people are coming from miles and miles around. You can't carry two pigeons or two doves with you all the way from wherever you come to the temple. They didn't have little bird cages with air conditioning and little things that we have today. They couldn't, you couldn't bring an animal in there that was blemished. So what happens now? They walk and they come from miles away to the temple to worship, to obey the law. And our people are sitting there and saying, okay, you need two doves? Yeah, take these two. And they will say, you know, it costs 50% more of whatever it really, really costs. And they were buying and selling. They were changing money. They were taking advantage of the common man on street who all they wanted to do was just obey God when going to the temple. So Jesus comes in and he sees these guys and what's bad about this is now the priest had to examine the animals. So now the priest, who's the one who should be delivering the love and the law of God, is now in on the money. Because they can say, oh, these doves are not good enough. You need to go get two more. And these are God's people. And these priests are the ones called by God to bring forth his declarations. And they're robbing and stealing blind the people who are going to serve God in a temple. So Jesus walks in on this. He sees all of this. And this is what happens. He starts cleansing. He 
turns over the table. He chases them out with all their cattle and everything. This is the righteous indignation of what happened to Jesus for this reason. So every time I spoke about me having righteous indignation, what justification was there for me other than just I didn't want to walk in love? So Jesus walks in on this, but now let's see what happens here. There's so much in this, um, the whole Mark 11. We're just going to, for time's sake, we'll just do the counting in, in the book of Mark. Okay, so now Mark 11, it says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, so he, Jesus and the disciples, they're walking towards Jerusalem. Okay, carries on there at the Mount of Olives. He sent his two disciples we know the account to go and get the donkey that he would sit on. So Jesus gets the donkey. In verse 10, it says, Blessed is the kingdom of our father David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to he in the highest. So people now worshiping, these common people who are being robbed by the temple, people of God, they're worshiping, they're praising, hallelujah, Hosanna to the king. Okay? Jesus is on the donkey riding through. We know it as the triumphant entry. Okay. Verse 11. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. He didn't go in, kick around people, turn over the tables at once. You know where Jesus went. There were great crowds watching him, following him, looking at his every single move. So here he goes into the temple. What does he do? Looks. Doesn't do anything. Why did he not do anything there? Because the father didn't tell him to do anything. The father said, look at what's happening in my house. This must be a house of prayer. These are my people who I led through the, their forefathers. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus taught, when you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Look at what's happening in the temple. And Jesus is looking at all things. He's noticing everything. Doesn't do anything. What does he do? Turns around and goes back to where they were staying. Okay, so that's the first time he's in the temple. In verse 12, the next day when they had come out of Bethany, he was hungry. So we know what happens now. It's the account of the fig tree. He's hungry. Once a fig goes there, sees there's no, no fruit, no figs there. So he says, uh, he curses a tree. Let no one eat fruit from you again. 9 verse 15, so they came to Jerusalem again. Okay. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. 16. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught. Then he taught. It wasn't just about getting rid of this, doing that, getting angry. It wasn't just because he was hungry, because he couldn't get a pear or a peach or a fig to eat in the morning, so he's feeling bad. Now he's throwing stuff around. He went in there to teach. Because Father said, this is not what should be happening in my house. Go and teach them what it means 
My house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. So he goes in and now he cleanses the temple, kicks them out. And what does he, doesn't just turn around and say, I'm finished. Now he starts teaching. Okay, let's see how long this teaching took. So um, then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves? Verse 18, And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. So this is what the scribes and the Pharisees and the chief priests should have been teaching. They've never heard that. These guys put laws on people, took money from them, just were really, really bad people, not doing the right thing, yet they were in control and looking after the temple, the house of God, where people would go to seek and find the Father. So Jesus comes in and he says, because the Father says, this has to change. Because, John chapter 1 says, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth through Jesus Christ. So now grace walks into the temple. Grace turns over the tables and says, this is not the way my father wants it. And grace speaks to all men who are there and starts telling them about the goodness of God, the grace of God, why this temple is here, what it means to be a house of prayer. Can you imagine having your mind transformed from, oh my goodness, I've got to go there. I know I have to save money because they're going to take extra money. I don't have this money. Then I'm going to pray to a father who doesn't help and he's never. And all of these things year after year, generation after generation. And now Jesus' grace comes in and he says, this is how it should be. And they hear the truth about the temple. They hear the truth about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the blessing that upon these people themselves that they've never, ever heard about. They have just been stolen from, never hearing about, you are empowered to prosper. You are blessed. You are the grand, 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 great, great, great grandchild of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That was never heard. And now Jesus comes and he teaches the truth. Didn't come in and kick around tables because he was angry. The righteous indignation was, you guys have been stealing from your own people. You have been put into a position of power to love and raise up other people. And you're using that power for evil. So we go on. So now in the morning, the next day they come out. We know the fig tree story. Jesus speaks to them. He says, have faith in God. Peter says the tree is from the roots up. It has dried. Verse 25, Jesus says, when you pray, forgive. Then verse 27, then they came again to Jerusalem. And as he was walking in the temple, this is now the third time that Jesus is in the temple. He threw the tables, chased the people out once, but he's going back. Why? To teach, to teach. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They were not hearing the word of God. And he goes back to make sure that the truth and the light and the love of God, the gospel gets through to you people because that's why the Father has sent me, to let you know how much he loves you. So when we feel that righteous indignation, 
Is it because we have a love for the people that we are facing? Or is it because you just do things different than I think it should be done and I'll show you what I think should be done? Or is it now an opportunity to really lay down my life like Jesus to tell you the truth and say, this is what the Father wants for you. This is not what he wants. This is not his purpose and plan for you. Let me tell you, let me teach you about the goodness of God. It carries on. So now that's chapter 12. Uh, Sorry, end of 11. We're going to chapter 12. These people come now. Jesus speaks to them. He tells them the parable of the wicked vine dresser. Scribes and Pharisees know they're speaking. Jesus is speaking to them. So they're even more indignant. They're even more angry. Then the Pharisees come and they say to him, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? They're trying to catch him. Then the Sadducees come and they want to ask about the resurrection. One after the other. They just need to get this guy out because he's teaching so much light and truth and we're not going to make money and people are just not going to come anymore. And, and Jesus just carries on one after the other. Then in verse 35, then Jesus answered and said while he taught in the temple, how is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Spirit, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, David himself calls him Lord. How is he then his son? Look at this. And the common people heard him gladly. After all of that, going to the temple day after day, time after time, what was his reason for doing that? So that the common people could hear him gladly. It's not, my friend, my brother and sister, about our righteous indignation and we know what is right and our church says this and our Bible declares this. It's about the common people who have been lied to and robbed from by the devil to go in and open their eyes to the light and the gospel and the love so that grace and truth can now be made manifest to you. Let us never, ever, ever fall into that trap of I know better than you because and I'll show you and tell you what. That was not, if one person could do that, it's probably God himself. But he didn't do it. And as the Father sent me, so I send you. So let us go into the world. Let us go. And as we go, preaching the good news and the truth That God is good and you have believed because you've been taught a lie and people have robbed and stolen from you. But that's not the will of the Father. This is the will of Father. He loves you. He paid the price. You're not an orphan. There's a perfect plan for you no matter where you've been, no matter where you're going to. The love of God is available for you. Let that be our message instead of a righteous indignation because I am saved and you are not. So at the end of the day, wisdom taught. Wisdom himself went in and taught because he was moved with compassion. Please understand what I'm saying. Compassion is not a not a feeling. Compassion is a person. You understand what I'm saying? 
Bible says he was moved with compassion. But the Father, through him, moved with his heart in Jesus. And he had the heart of the Father. So it wasn't just a feeling. It was a person that said, man, those are my kids. This is not right. This is why you're there. And compassion. He was moved by compassion because he only does what he sees the Father do. And the Father looked down at his creation and he was like, no, that's not what I have for them. You are so far away from what I created you to be and what your life should be. And that compassion in Jesus moved him and then the anointing flowed. Compassion is a person, not just a feeling. And may we, wherever we walk, because we carry the kingdom within, walk with compassion moving us. No more righteous indignation. <laughs> Love. Grace. Peace. The goodness of the kingdom. Let's pray. Father God, we just so thankful for the truth of your word. Holy Spirit, we pray as you are the teacher that you open the word to us. That we won't get caught in the world's way of doing things. That we won't even allow the world's ways in our speech but that we will speak, Jesus, as you said, only what the Father says, that we would be led and driven by compassion and love for our fellow man, and that when things of the enemy would want to rise up on the inside of us, that love and grace would overshadow that, just like Jesus, you do toward us every single day. We thank you for speaking to us, Holy Spirit. Thank you for revealing who the Father truly is, compassionate, loving, kind, generous, graceful, full of mercy, and help us to be exactly the same so that when people see us, they can point a finger and say, there's another one of them. Look at that, another one of those. I've heard about them, but now my eyes have seen so we praise you, Lord, as we go, that you lead and guide, reveal, and do things through us that the world would know that you are true and that you are good. We love you. We love you. We love you. We bless you. We praise you. We honor you. You are so worthy. We thank you for your protection over us as we go this week so that next week when we come back together again, Lord, we will look a little bit more like you, Jesus. That's our heart's desire to walk like you walk, to have that intimate relationship with Abba. We bless you in everything we ask. We ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. If any of you need prayer, we would love to pray with you up here in front. Please come forward. Have an amazing, blessed week. God bless you, and we will see you all next week.